Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio. It's 3.09 here in the station in Pittston, 39 degrees with uh, rain outside. Some sleep mixed into that. Listen to us here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Just search The Rob O'Donnell Show. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. So how's your uh, Tuesday, November 21st, going this week of Thanksgiving? Do you have all your plans set? Do you have all your uh, recipes ready to go? You have your turkey defrosting, hopefully, depending on the size of it. You know, there's a gauge on what, how many days you need to have, uh, you know, your turkey out to defrost. If you're brining it, how long do you brine your turkey? 24 hours, a couple hours? We usually do ours the day in advance. I think we got a big turkey. We got a 24-pound turkey this year. I'm going to be plenty of leftovers because I don't think there's that many of us, but leftovers are fine. I'm good with leftovers. We, uh... Before I forget, and, and, you know, I, I'm trying to keep this week. It's Thanksgiving. You know, I'm trying to keep it light, but, you know, news just keeps popping up. There has been 66 attacks on our military assets in the Middle East over since October 17th. And uh, last night was the latest attack where rockets were shot at our base in uh, Al-Assad Air Base in Iraq. And uh, U.S. Central Command took action today. And they posted it uh, just uh, about 2.12 today, saying on uh, the 21st of November, an AC-130 gunship engaged individuals responsible for launching a missile attack on U.S. and coalition personnel at Al-Assad Air Base in Iraq. The gunship maintained visual confirmation of the individuals from the time of the launch to the time of engagement. The strike resulted in several enemy casualties. That's coming from the uh, CENTCOM, United States Central Command. And it's about time, some good news for once, where we've actually targeted other than, you know, a tent in the middle of the desert. This was actually the personnel that's actually launching the attacks on our soldiers. You know, we've had a few minor asset retaliations from our military, but this is the first time we've actually targeted personnel that's attacked our military. So good job from uh, CENTCOM, U.S. Central Command. And some good news as we go into the Thanksgiving where uh, hopefully there's a couple of dead terrorists in uh, Iraq right now. Uh, traffic is just pretty much that. It was, it was interesting because yesterday coming in, I really didn't hit much at all. It seemed a little lighter. It seemed like a lot of people took this week off. But today, uh, you know, it wasn't bad on 81 coming down to the studio. But the second I got off here in Pittston... Onto 315, it was dead stop traffic. It took me a half an hour to go, what, a half mile from the uh, exit ramp on 81 to 315 up to the studio here. And if you know the area, you know it well. It was just dead stop traffic. Nowhere to go. Sat in it for a half an hour to go less than a half a mile. And it was still that way when I came in. Hopefully it's not uh, too bad now. Matter of fact, I could check it real quick. Actually, it doesn't look too bad right now. So uh, that traffic looks like it uh, has slowed a bit. 
But uh, hopefully you have your plans wrapped up. Hopefully, hopefully you're ready to go. We are half-packed. We have some of the, the food staples that we're bringing. The non-perishables are already packed in the truck. Um, with me, they've been coming back and forth to work with me for the past two days. But as far as getting everything else ready, uh, you know, I think we're going to pack it real quick. When I get home tonight, hopefully the rain is not too heavy, but the rain has moved into our area. We did have a dusting of sleet, sleetish, sleetish snow. I, I wouldn't say it was snow. It was more of a sleet up by me. If you follow me on Facebook, you saw a little picture of a coating on the deck. Not much, but the uh, some on the car that melted pretty quick. Just be careful out there if you go into these areas, a little freezing. I mean, the ground is still warm, but you cannot negate uh, the freezing out there. So, uh, you know, my hope to you is I, I won't be here tomorrow. We're closed down Thursday and Friday. So my hope to you is a great thanksgiving to you and your family tremendously. You guys have welcomed me into your radios, welcomed me into your homes, your cars, your, your AirPods, however you listen, your smart speakers. And I, I really appreciate the warmth and kindness you have shown me for the past 10 months. And uh, enjoying it, enjoying to be part of it. Uh, you guys give me great uh, feedback, even the ones that uh, don't, enjoy, don't agree with me or don't enjoy, don't enjoy the show. You still listen. Obviously, because you're the quickest to criticize. But, uh, you know, I listen to the criticisms. I listen to what you guys say. And, uh, you know, appreciate each and every day of being here with you guys. I hope you do the same. Sora, uh, this story today, and it was a, a, good, a good story for this week, a good story for a Thanksgiving week. And it just goes to show you, um, never judge Who's around us? Never judge those based on appearance. Never judge on those based on, you know, a quick glance or a quick meeting. You know, do your best to get to know who you can. But this, this story is coming out of Hinsdale, New Hampshire. And it's interesting because I guess it's resonating because I, I pulled this story off the Associated Press and then I saw uh, some of our local stations, it was either WNEP or WBRE, uh, picked up on it as well and had, had made a posting on it. And, you know, after I already pulled it, so it's good, you know, I'm in the right realm where we're, you know, looking at the same things. But it's definitely a story that's resonating on this Thanksgiving weekend where this, this individual, his name is Jeffrey Holt. He an was an unassuming caretaker of a mobile home park in Hinsdale, New Hampshire, where he lived a simple but curious life. Residents would see him around town in uh, threadbare clothes riding his lawnmower, headed to the convenience store, parking along the main road, reading a newspaper or watching cars pass. Uh, he did odd jobs for other people, rarely left town, and despite having taught driver's ed to high schoolers, Holt uh, had given up driving a car. He opted for either a bicycle or instead finally his mower. You know, he was getting up there in age. The bicycle wasn't working for him any longer, so he would drive his mower to the store. Small town in New Hampshire, not unusual. Um, his house, he lived in a trailer in a mobile home park, was mostly empty of furniture, no TV, no computer. Now, the legs on the bed went through the floor. He seemed to have what he wanted, and he didn't want much said Edwin Smokey Smith, Holt's best friend and former employer. But Holt died earlier this year, and uh, 
was keeping sort of a secret. Now, his best friend knew about it and held it tight to his chest. Uh, He was a multimillionaire. And what's more, he gave it all away to the community he loved of 4,200 people. His will had brief instructions, $3.8 million to the town of Hinsdale to benefit the community in areas of education, health, recreation, and culture. I don't think anyone had an idea that he was that successful, said Steve Dorio, chairperson of the town select board who occasionally waved to Holt from his car. I know he didn't have a whole lot of family, but nonetheless, to leave it to the town where he lived, it's a tremendous gift. The money could go far in this uh, Connecticut River town sandwiched between Vermont and Massachusetts with an abundant hiking and fishing opportunities and small businesses. It's named for Ebenezer Hinsdale, the officer of the French and Indian War who built a fort and a grist mill. In addition to the Hinsdale's house, built in 1759, the town was the, has the nation's oldest continually operating post office dating back to 1816. There's been no formal uh, gathering to discuss the ideas for the money since local officials were notified late September. But residents have proposed upgrading the town hall clock, restoring buildings, maybe buying a new ballot counting machine in honor of Holt, who always made sure he voted. Other possibility is setting up an online driver's education course in his honor. Organizations would be able to apply for grants via a trust through the New Hampshire Charitable Foundation, drawing from the interest roughly about $150,000 annually. Hinsdale will utilize the money left very frugally as Holt did not, said Karen Lynch, town administrator. Holt's best friend, Smith, a former state legislature, legislator, who uh, became the executor of Holt's estate, had learned about his fortune in recent years. He knew Holt, who died in June at age 82, had varied interests, like collecting hundreds of model cars and train sets that filled his room, covered the couch and extended into the shed. And he also collected books about history with Henry Ford and World War II among his favorite topics. Holt had an extensive record collection, including Handel and Mozart. Smith also knew that Holt, who early in his life had worked as a production manager at a grain mill that closed nearby in Brattleboro, Vermont, invested his money. Holt would find a quiet place and sit near a brook and study financial publications. Learned everything he needed to know about the stock market by reading books and the newspaper. Holt confided in Smith that his investments were doing better than he ever expected and wasn't sure what to do with the money. Smith suggested that he remember the town. I was sort of dumbfounded when I found out that all of it went to the town, he said. One of Holt's first investments into a mutual fund was in communication, Smith said. It was before cell phones. Holt's sister, 81, Allison Holt of Laguna Woods, California, said she knew her brother invested and remembered that not wasting money and investing were important to their father. And again, this is just something... You never judge a book by his cover. Here's someone who wore, by all standards, you know, shoddy clothes, torn, nothing new, nothing flashy. You know, there's pictures of him. A very unassuming mobile home on a lot in a mobile park where he volunteered to cut the grass for it. 
you know, riding his lawnmower to and from. But he was sitting on $4 million, lived a frugal life, and gave back to his community. So I just saw this, and it appears others are picking up on it, of uh, a true way to live. You know, to be happy, to be content with your, your own skin, to live the way you seem. And now a, a lot of the, the townspeople who, who were always cordial to Holt, you know, said, hey, I wish I would have talked to him more. And not for any other reason, but take the time to know those people around you. You never know. And not for, for not for looking for anything in return, but for simply being a nice person. I, I said earlier yesterday, I believe, there's a difference between being nice and being kind, being polite and being kind, being cordial and being kind. It takes effort to be kind to someone. Being nice is easy. You know, it's a choice that you make. Hey, I, I'm, I just, you know, I'm going to be nice to people. Being kind to people takes a little more effort, takes a little more thought, takes a little more of yourself to do. And um, here's one of those stories that, that shows that. He was obviously happy where he spent his final years, where he spent his entire life, actually, because he left his entire wealth to this small town of 4,200 people and just a great story on this Thanksgiving week. And be thankful. Be thankful for those around us. Be thankful for the people we haven't met yet. If I can bring up one thing this week, this weekend, if you're away or when you come back, make an effort to know someone in your community that you've really not made an effort to know. Stop and talk to them. You know, outside a smile or a wave, you know, ask them. Introduce yourself. Ask them how they are. Ask them, you know, some questions. Be kind, not just nice. It's uh, 323 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 326, 38 degrees with some rain outside. On this Tuesday, November 21st, 2023, Thanksgiving week upon us. Hopefully you have your plans sorted out and are ready to deal with our relatives. Yippee. Some of them. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, but all depends on what your scenario is. If you're with your, your kids and your family and your, their husbands or wives or boyfriends or girlfriends and uh, not many in-laws, maybe good. But um, it all depends on what the setup is. But uh, do make the best of it. Give you uh, some coping skills. Yesterday I said, uh, you know, as long as it doesn't change your mood into a bad environment, you know, alcohol always works, makes you a little more friendly makes it that more tolerable to deal with. But if that's not your thing, we're going to talk about some skill sets that will help you deal with uh, those troublesome family members. You know, it could be could be anyone. It could be your brother, your sister, your mom or dad, your uncles and aunts, cousins, nieces or nephews. We'll give you some coping me- mechanisms to uh, to have some fun with them, some things I've learned over the years. And it's interesting how hostage negotiation skills come into play when you're dealing with family members you really would rather not deal with. We talk about uh, this all the time, and on a serious note here, uh, Oregon, state of Oregon, in 2020, passed what they called Measure 110 by a 58% approval rating, which legalized 
decriminalized hard drugs like heroin, meth, and cocaine. And we've seen the pushes for these things across the nation. Well, the results are now in. And Oregon opioid deaths have increased 13 times after decriminalizing these types of drugs. And lawmakers, medical personnel, law enforcement are saying we have to do something different. We have to do something different. And if you saw the interview with uh, the private security guard in Portland who was basically brought to tears over what he's seeing in the facilities that he's working. Now, Oregon has also looked to pull back from law enforcement. I mean, they were one of the staunch proponents of defunding the police, and they went to private security and crisis preventionists and and such like that. Well, this is one of them. This is one of those personnel who said he's watching his city die before his eyes and he literally broke down during the interview it was it was a sad interview to watch saying he's he's watching his fellow citizens in his community kill themselves slowly and some of them even rapidly but uh Opioid-related deaths in the Beaver State have skyrocketed to 955 this year, up from 280 in 2019 before the law, Measure 110, was passed. And again, this law passed with 58% approval. And he said, it breaks my heart. Michael Brock, a private security guard in Portland, said of the drastic changes Monday. That was his interview on Monday. What happened before 110 got passed was that I revived zero people since this measure 110 passing almost daily. I'm reviving people on the brink of death. These are our friends. These are our brothers, fathers, sisters, cousins. We're talking about the loss of life and we have to do something different. It's serious. And again, he broke down during this interview, this gentleman, according to an August poll from Emerson college, a 56% majority of Oregonians now support overturning the law, which made possession of some illicit drugs punishable by a maximum of a $100 fine, which can be avoided with a health assessment, a 24-7 phone service that will help determine what services a person calling might need. An even larger number, nearly two-thirds, support repealing parts of Measure 110 to restore penalties for drug possessions, according to the poll, while 36% believe it should be left as is. Again, in 2019, one year before the measure, they had 280 opioid deaths. The year it was passed, that doubled, almost doubled to 472 in 2020. 2021, it went up to 737. That was a full year of the law. And in 2022, 955 against seven, what did I say? 13 times more what they had. The poll also found that 54% of Oregon voters believe the measure exacerbated homelessness in their community, while 50% said their communities were less safe as a result. And, And come on, 
This isn't rocket science. We've talked about this all the time. I know we talk about, you know, making recreational marijuana and such here. This is not that. This is heroin, cocaine. These are serious hard drugs. We've spent decades fighting this. And, and, you know, maybe it wasn't perfect. Maybe things were overboard during the crack epidemic. But it was doing the same thing then. And because of that, a lot of municipalities, a lot of police departments, a lot of prosecutors, a lot of legislatures are shy to address things like fentanyl, the opioid problem, cocaine, heroin, these hard drugs with the fever that they need to be addressed with. And they need to lose that mentality, find a balance that wasn't there maybe during the crack epidemic, and attack this war on killing people. This is something like we've never seen. Crack epidemic was bad. It wasn't a death sentence immediately. These things are. It's 3.33 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. It's 3.40 here, 38 degrees with some uh, heavy rain. I'm also looking at some uh, freezing mix to our east and uh, to our west a little bit in the mountaining region. It's, looks like some heavier rain is uh, going to come through in the next hour or so. So just uh, have some caution out there. It's cold. It's wet. Areas are going to be slippery. So if you're doing any last-minute shopping or getting things ready or you're headed uh, out early to do your Thanksgiving commute to wherever you're going this weekend, just be careful out there. You want to hear something uh, special as a bumper music? Let us know. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. You want to talk about your plans, what you're doing, and how you're going to cope with family this week? Let's hear some of uh, your management techniques to deal with uh, some family. You may not be uh, you may not be the most eager to spend some time with this weekend. We all have to deal with it. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. It looks like the uh, negotiations for some Israeli hostages and in exchange for Palestinian women and minors that are being held by Israel is in its final stages. It appears that the last I heard they're looking to get 50 women and children hostages back from Hamas in exchange for some people being held by Israel, some Palestinians. Uh, Also involved with that, this is just breaking about a half an hour ago, Netanyahu told ministers during a cabinet meeting, because they were meeting on this this agreement, this exchange that is supposedly taking place, that's a mixture of an exchange of hostages for some people being held by Israel and uh, uh, some, uh, uh, some ceasefire time. I believe I heard five days more of ceasefire. But during that meeting, Netanyahu told the ministers during a cabinet meeting that part of the agreement is the Red Cross will visit hostages and that will not be released and provide them with medicine according to the prime minister's office. Now, I know we've heard a lot, especially from our progressive wing of the Democratic Party about the ceasefire now and such like that. I'd like to see more of this. How come the Red Cross has not already visited these hostages being held? I mean, there's, what, just under 300, 200? 
There's been really no call for that at all here, but thankfully that is part of this deal that, you know, there will be some exchanges of hostages as well as some people being held by Israel, some Palestinians. And in addition to that, the Red Cross will visit hostages that will not be released. And this is a good reason because then they can get them accounted for. They could get their condition of health and such like that and find out where that stands. But this appears to be in the the uh, final negotiation stays, and, it, and it's an exchange, you know, hostages for this. I, I would have rather seen a straight-up condition of the ceasefire altogether, and I've talked about this here last week, and I don't think I talked about it yesterday, but last week I definitely did. For every hour of ceasefire, you're going to release a hostage, and when that stops, then does the ceasefire. I don't like this exchange where we're going to give people being held by Israel as potential terrorists or potential um, assistors to Hamas, facilitators back to Hamas. I think it would be easier just to straight up, you know what, you want a ceasefire? Because it puts the onus back on on Hamas and the Palestinians. You know, you've taken hostages. You initiated this attack. You started this whole ordeal, whole ordeal, whole ordeal. There's, like I said, a, a faction calling for this ceasefire. Okay, if you want a ceasefire, return hostages, and let's have the Progressive Democratic Caucus, the Squad or whoever they are, you know, say that you know returning hostages in favor of a ceasefire isn't a good thing, and put it back the onus on them. It's uh, 344 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. It's time for the NEPA Premium Perks. Enjoy this half-off deal for a quick check. Get a $25 gift certificate for only $12.50. Mediterranean restaurant that serves fresh Middle Eastern food, appetizers, salads, sandwiches, entries, and quick check specialties. Open every day except Tuesdays. Eat in or take out. Located at Route 315 in the Walmart Plaza in Pittston. Visit GetMyPerks.com for all the details. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. We got a report of a vehicle fire on River Road past River Mist Development towards Pittston. Uh, they're turning traffic around, so if you're in that area, I appreciate the texter from send it for sending that in. But uh, be careful out there. They thought it was originally a house fire at the River Mist development, but it appears it's a vehicle fire, fire on River Road just past the development towards Pittston, and they're turning traffic around. Um, got a request for some music there, Jake. Alice's Restaurant, short take on bumper music, a Thanksgiving classic. Jake put it, gave me a thumbs up, so we'll see it, I'm sure, out there. And um, real quick before we go to the Bloomberg, it looks like... Uh, the reward for the releasing of those thousands of fur farm minks is now up to $16,000. And the animal activists say the money doesn't matter. They don't care. And uh, I know only they say a couple hundred got out from the facility, but they say thousands were released from their cages. They never just escaped the facility. So the executive director of the Fur Commission USA has upped the uh, reward to $16,000 for any individual who has information leading to the arrest of anyone responsible for uh, 
for releasing those minks here in Pennsylvania. So if you have anything to do with it and want to earn a little money for the holidays, $16,000 is nothing to shy about. It's uh, 3.50, time for the Bloomberg Money Minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. You ask and we shall give it to you. So some Alice Restaurant there for our texter who wanted uh, wanted to hear it. You want to hear something special, uh, text or call us in. Let us know. 355 here, 38 degrees with some rain, some freezing rain in the area, so be careful while you're out there. Talking about a whole plethora of things, cornucopia of things in the uh, Thanksgiving spirit here. Hopefully you got all your last-minute shopping buttoned up, food shopping anyway. I'm not a a big uh, Black Friday shopper either. Matter of fact, I don't think I've ever, ever been out Black Friday. Friday shopping. And uh, my family kind of shies away from it, too. I think my daughters went out for a little bit later in the day. Usually, actually, on uh, Black Friday, Friday after Thanksgiving, I'm making a super sata with uh, some friends. Haven't done it in the past year or so. And I won't be here this year, so I won't be making it. But it was always a good time. You know, a lot of the ladies went out shopping. The men stay home and uh, mixed, stuffed, and hung and smoked, and then hung again some super sata as we drank and ate and did the things guys do. You know, that toxic masculinity that's so bad, so bad. Got to start bringing it back a little bit, don't we? But uh, yeah, it was always a good day. It was always a long day, you know, homemade wine, whatever drinks we were drinking. Mostly it was the homemade wine that we made. Some uh, Dago Red, some Shiraz, some... Uh, I made a Red Zinfandel. It was phenomenal. Real earthy flavor. Really liked it. Drank that for a while. But then we made the Super Sata, made some patties and uh, grilled them up. Some horseradish and some fresh rolls, some chips. And uh, some trips to the smokehouse. It was always a, a fun time. Sometimes the batches come out phenomenal. Sometimes we lose a couple. But... Uh, was always a good day of the making it. So got to get back into that. And if it's not something you do, if it's not something your friends do, you could always get some yourself. But, uh, you know, even with a small handheld stuffer, mixer and, and such like that, hand mix them, you can do it. It's a beautiful thing this day and uh, age of the internet with YouTube. Learn how to do pretty much anything. You know, speaking of that, this... Uh, Gen Z attitude towards nine to five jobs has sparked a debate of the different generational work ethics. Gen Z employees made headlines recently over their issues with nine to five work schedules, which has prompted sympathy from peers as well as criticisms from superiors who argue America's younger generation needs to toughen up and adapt to the working lifestyle. And, and you know, it's interesting. Gen Z expects higher pay for fewer hours and more time off. Thus, Gen Z workers don't feel they need to work after 5 p.m. to earn higher income. What kids are being told out of college is that they should immediately be making seventy-five dollars to $100,000 a year with their college degree, but the law of supply and demand is really what dictates your salary. In regards to the traditional 9-to-5 job, A recent global study conducted by Adobe titled The Future of Time 
looked at work preference in different generations and found millennials and Gen Z workers specifically value flexibility in their schedule. Don't want to work extra to make extra. Go figure. Toughen up, Buttercup. So if you have any of those at your dinner table this week, might want to give them some uh, valuable advice on how to succeed in life. Work hard. Put your head down, nose to the grind. And become the greatest asset you can to wherever you work. I don't care where that is. I don't care if it's on a floor of a big box store. I don't care if it's in a bakery. I don't care if it's doing construction. I don't care if it's here at the radio station, wherever it is. Do the best you can at that job, and it will be recognized. You'll do better. It's uh, 4 o'clock here on WILK News Radio. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after these messages and breaks.